0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Cutting the Curd has been brought to you by Academy Opus Cassius. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training in the heart of France. For more information, visit academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S dot com. You're listening to org, a non member-supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e-newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us and enjoy the show.
0: You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Anne Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network.
2: Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My guest today is Ken Scovran, who is the owner of Darien Cheese and Fine Foods. Thanks hey. for being with us.
3: Thank you. Nice um, to be here.
2: And uh, so we're con- we're continuing. I've uh, uh, we're continuing our, our monger series, our right. cheese monger series. We had a, one previous episode with Greg Blaze, who is the current cheese buyer and cheese kind of guy extraordinaire at Italy. Okay. Um, oh wow. And uh, so, yeah, we're kind of taking, taking some time to explore the profession of cheesemongering. Wonderful, good. Um, and so who, who better to talk to than you, <laughs> who's been a cheesemonger so. for a really long time? Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the biz? And- sure.
3: Um, my, uh, my late brother-in-law, Steve Wasik, which is uh, was, uh, the owner of Deer, uh, sorry Wasick Cheese Shop in Wellesley, Massachusetts, um, was my mentor uh, 39 years ago. He was dating my sister, and uh, <laughs> would bring over <laughs> That's convenient. bring over cheesy convenables for the weekend. And uh, while they were dating, and he got me, you know, turned on to cheese basically. And uh, I would go to the place in which he worked, and uh, it was a great store with sawdust on the floor and wheels of cheese piled to the ceiling, and it was really intriguing and uh, kind of hooked me right off the bat. So.
2: And what kind of cheeses was he selling back then?
3: In the day, um, you know, a lot of uh, Switzerland cheeses, Emmentalers, Gruyères, things like that, Danish Fontina. In those days, there was a whole line of Danish cheeses like Samso, Taibo, Fontina, Esrum, you know, things that we don't really see too much of anymore. But the reality was... Those were the staples at that time. Jarlsberg was a gourmet cheese. Right, right. Yeah, no, it
2: was a totally different landscape.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely.
2: Yeah, yeah. and so um, you, I think we were chatting a little bit before the show. You said you were 15 when you started working in That's cheese? That's correct,
3: yes. It was uh, this, uh, well, whatever it was, how many years ago now? But uh, 15. I had to, actually had to start working. I had to start and, and need some income, and I uh, went for my working papers and started in the store and, you know, kind of just – turning wheels of brie and packing cottage cheese and, you know, flipping eggs and all that kind of stuff. So it was, the, you know, just the first kind of job that I ever had is really what it comes down to. So And, where, and where was
2: that? Where was the it was first? in
3: Greenwich, Connecticut. It was um, part of a franchise called Cheese Shop International. Okay. And uh, it started at the New York World's Fair. And when it uh, was in its heyday, it had about 70 stores across the country. Wow. And that, uh, the Greenwich store on Greenwich Avenue was the uh, home store, which was the training ground for uh, prospective franchisees to uh, go and, and learn, you know, how to be a cheesemonger and how to run their cheese business and uh, learned about cheeses and so forth. So.
2: That's really fascinating. Yeah, no, I, so. I mean, I honestly had no idea uh, that that's how that shop came about. Um, right. So the World's Fair was in what year?
3: What was it, 67 or something like that? I 67. think it was, yeah.
2: That's like the big globe that you drive past that's you right. know, on exact, your way to fleshing, the airport. That's right. yeah. right. <laughs> by Shea
3: Stadium one side and then the, yeah, the globe on the other. That's exactly right. Yeah.
2: Wow. So, so there was a, a business called Cheese Shop International that was sort of born of that um, and the interest, I'm sure, that people had in, in European
3: cheeses. Right. Uh, a family by the name of the Hearn family uh, actually had a, um, a really um, a high-end grocery butter and egg store on Fulton Street. Uh, in New York and oh. uh, it, was a, it was the store dated back to the 1800s actually and, and that was were,
2: Fulton Street in Manhattan or yes, Brooklyn
3: in, Okay, uh, in Manhattan I believe and um, so one of the uh, so the uh, one of the grandsons started you know this idea of you know a cheese shop and they started in greenwich it started on the post road Um, and then the new york uh, world's fair happened and then there was much more exposure much more cheese came into the uh, country at that time because of the world's fair and they were showing cheeses there from all various countries and um, they saw this opportunity to expand the marketplace and so they were import distributors as well as retailers and uh, then they decided that this idea of the franchise would be a great, you know, business kind of model. Uh, they were the first cheese shops really in the country, if you will. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: I mean, well, yeah. I, that's why I do this show. Right. You just totally <laughs> taught me something that I cool. had no idea about. I feel like that's part of America's cheese lineage, you know. Absolutely. A very important part it. of it. Yeah. Um, and so, where were the stores located? Seventy stores. We had
3: stores throughout the. They had stores throughout the country. You know, they're going to be in areas where you are a little bit more affluent. You know, there was a Beverly Hills Cheese Shop, which is a very famous cheese shop still. Um, and that, that was
2: originally one of these shops. The one of
3: the franchises, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. cool! Cheese uh-huh. shop at Concord in Massachusetts. You know, they're big northeast. Uh, Group of stores, uh, big West Coast, uh, down in Florida a bit, uh, Texas. We even had a cheese shop in Texas. You know, So wow. believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it was uh, you know, and that was the heyday. That was when there that was flush, you know. And then and, and the thing about it was, you know, the, the thing about the cheese industry, and it kind of took a dip for a while because the people that bought those stores. And you know, they got a little older, they either closed the store or they tried to sell it and it and kind of ran down or whatever. And so then they some a lot of them went out of business and then there was like a big kind of uh, a glut of not a lot of cheese stores, you know, for a period of time there. And, uh, you know, uh, and now look at what has, what's happening. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting how stores. It's many kind of rebounding. Stores exactly. right. yeah. I mean, yeah, I
2: mean, in New York City alone, I mean, I don't know if you see the same thing in Connecticut. But, you know, I, I think, you know, now compared with 10 years ago, there's probably triple the amount of cheese shops in New yeah. York City. Yeah, for sure yeah good
3: stores too you know that's, that's the great part you know yeah. yeah
2: well and it just strikes me as very interesting because right now I mean the American Cheese Society has launched their um certified cheese professional yes. program yes. Um, and that's to me that was kind of like a new idea you yeah. know and and to think that um this uh, cheese shop international was not only uh, uh you know starting franchises but was actually training people in the job of cheese mongering that's right. Back in the in the, what the seventies or the eighties in the sixties in, in the late sixties In the right. late sixties exactly. I mean right. yeah. that's uh, that's really incredible
3: right. exactly you know it is and um, you know it's an interesting thing what's happened and we went, actually when they started this um, this cheese training or this program for the cheese professionals now mm-hmm. I was contacted and asked to be a part of the, the the program and you know I thought it was a an interesting endeavor um, and. At that time, it was pretty much a, strictly a textbook program, if you will. You know, it was a lot of questions and answers and stuff, you know, textbook type stuff. But it really was no hands-on, um, you know, experience as far as it goes. And that was a drawback for me because, uh, if anything, I'm not a textbook person. I am a hands-on person. And so, when I posed that question and they said there really wasn't a segment of that uh, for that, you know, particular test yet, I kind of shied away because I just, you know, it wasn't it wasn't speaking to me because. You know, you're not a great bread maker or wine maker or chef, you know, without using your hands and getting involved with the product is really what it comes down to. So but, uh, I, you know, I'd love to see the you know, the test and the program now and see what the what the what the curriculum was. And, and you know, I'm sure I could learn from it. I think it's probably, you know, a good thing. Right? Yeah. You
2: know? Well, I, I think it is a good thing. I think it's like a it's a it's an attempt to like, you know, sort of formalize and, and legitimize right. uh, the craft of cheesemongering but I'm kind of old school yeah. with you you know I actually I helped a little bit um, you know with some of the questions for the test oh, wow. um, and it was an interesting process but I agree with you that you know so much of the job and that was actually one of the most difficult parts of trying to think of questions for the test so much of the job does come from hands-on experience and so much of it is subjective right. because it's really about your taste your touch your exactly. eyes your ears your nose That's right. I guess not too much your ears. If your cheese is making noise, that's trouble. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> that's no <some> bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we'll leave that there. <laughs> but um, I feel like that's just a, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. And I feel like that, to me, that's one of the biggest beauties of cheesemongering right. is it's a humble job. You Absolutely. Know? You really yeah. have to just handle Chop the product. carry the
3: water, you know. It's kind of what it's all about, you know. And uh, yeah, I think that's what separates the good cheese mongers from the bad ones. That's really what it comes down to. You got to be willing to love the pro. You got to love the product, and then you got to be willing to um, do the work because it's a lot of hard work. You know, when we would train franchisees, you know, they 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 were all starry eyed when they came in. It's like, oh wow, we're gonna have a cheese shop. This is so glamorous. We're gonna eat cheese and drink wine and have a blast. And then they're in it for a couple of months, and they're like, wow, this is work. It's like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, it separates the uh, you know whatever
2: the the rind from the pace as it were (laughs) no (laughs)
3: that's exactly it so yeah
2: Uh, that's really interesting well yeah and it's like welcome to the world of retail yeah you know that's it's not a grind a bit you know it's not easy That's
3: not easy that's for sure yeah it's awesome you know I'm still doing it after 39 years so I still dig it
2: exactly well and so I feel like I don't know what do you think about I mean so somebody like you you could truly call yourself an expert I feel after 39 years in the business I mean i 'm the
3: ultimate enthusiast <laughs> <laughs> experts are finite i 'm infinite <laughs> okay there you go
2: there you go. I like that I like that a lot, but I think that you know a lot of um, the f- you know i feel like in the food industry in general in the, in in the United states you know we 've right. got the food network we 've got top chef we 've got all this stuff, and it 's all kind of like based on this brash like getting in there and knowing your stuff and flaunting your, you know, your right. know-how, right. you know, maybe sometimes, sometimes there is just genuine, you know, there are genuine prodigies who have this talent and it's just kind of inherent in them. But I feel like most of us kind of just have to work at it. And yeah. I feel like what your your experience in the cheese biz is maybe a little bit similar to how people would start in Europe, you know, where you really work and learn the profession.
3: Absolutely. You know, a genuine apprentice, you know, I didn't get on the counter for a full year, you know, is really what it comes down to. There was a lot of behind the scenes work. You have to really learn how to work with the product, how to understand the product, you know, how to cut it properly, how to present it to the customer. Uh, when the truck's unloaded in the back door, how to look at this order and say, you know, this is good cheese from bad cheese. And, you know, so there's a lot that goes behind it. And then you got to get your uh, your lingo down, you know, kind of things. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can talk more about that later. Yeah, I absolutely. feel like you've got some good some
2: good vocab. I feel <laughs> I it, that's a whole that. other – well, maybe we can just get into it now. I mean, that's sure. a whole other art form. I feel like, you know, not too long ago in the New York Times, they had that little write-up in the dining section about right. cheese descriptions. Mm-hmm. And um, – I thought, you know, I thought it was a nice article because it, you know, it's something that I definitely put a lot of focus on in my shop and I feel like when, whether it's actually on a sign or whether you're describing it, your cheese to a customer, it's really important the words that you
3: Sure, absolutely. I think it comes from within, right? I mean, it's, you know... I think people that are generally successful in this industry and, and that you know are doing this because it's it's an unusual line of work, uh, are very have a passion about cheese. I think that in their in heart and their soul they generally feel it and they really love it, and so a lot of it just kind of pours out, if you will, you know. But me, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of talk, you know, kind of thing. I'm a, I'm a big guy. Uh, bs yes, artist but <laughs> <laughs> but no but it and you know so i enjoyed it and, and it's engaging i like engaging the customer i like turning them on to something new it's fun uh and, and you know and, and they get a kick out of it and and it's what makes them come back to our store as well you know it's part of the, it's all part of the program and then signage as well i use the signage on the outside of the store a lot to get them in the door mm-hmm. you know because we're in a shopping center there's lots of traffic walking around so um, you know get them get rope them in get them in the store and then start talking to them and mainly start sampling cheese to them that's really what it comes down to you know yeah, that's, Absolutely. That's, that's, that's key. You know, in the old day when people would walk into a cheese store, um, they would look, come in and they would look at us and they'd look at the big pile of cheese and they'd go, oh, my God. And they'd turn around and start looking at the crackers because it was like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know those. You yeah. know? I can deal with that. I can that. read that box. <laughs> <Exactly>. like, <laughs> so, you know, the first thing we would do is we'd get the, that old cheese plane out and we'd take a slice of a piece of cheese. We'd always have one ready and whip the slice out on them and say, hey, how's it going? Have a taste today. So that was the icebreaker, you know, kind of thing. And once they taste, then all of a sudden, a different part of the brain starts to work, and they're tasting, and their taste buds are going. And it's like, oh wow, that's good. You know, that tastes like this, or it tastes like that. And so you engage them, and so you start sampling on a bunch of things, kind of thing. And that's how the whole thing kind of evolves. But it's really, it is all based around taste, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of getting them engaging them, and then sharing, the, sharing it with them, and letting them taste it, and enjoy it. And exactly. The vocabulary about it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Um, well, so. Tell us about your shop. I mean, I've I've been there once, right. I, which is and it took me way too long to get there. Um, <laughs> but it's a very beautiful shop. So Thank if you, you could like give people a you know mental picture of what your shop is like, okay. I, that'd be great. Sure. And um, actually, can you tell us so the name Darian cheese, so cheese and Fine Foods? Darian Cheese and Fine Foods. Yeah. And um, yeah, about the location sure. and then the we're shop itself.
3: in Darian, Connecticut, and we're in a uh, place called Goodwife Shopping Plaza. Um, the Stepford Wives would film there. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but in any case, um, it's, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a Fairfield County town and it's, so it's an affluent community. And certainly, you know, uh, those were the areas that were originally targeted for cheese stores because, you know, people were making, you know, decent money and they can afford specialty and cheeses. And they probably had been to Europe and, and it and, tasted well, things like that. exactly right. They were more open to their educated, you know, crowd and they were more open to these experiences, if you will. So, um, you know, the kind of the, the original footprint of the cheese shops when, you know, from the first stores, they were, you know, uh, warm uh, environments. They were a lot of wood. Um, as far as it goes and um, you know we would use marble and stones and different elements to display the cheeses and keep it as close to the you know the earth as possible kind of thing give it a real natural environment if you will and so when I did my store over about six years ago um, I kind of took it a little bit step further and I kind of styled it my store as uh, after an alpine chalet so I'm using kind of post and beam shelving Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a wooden ceiling, um, you know, it's, it's kind of bulky and it's a little bit you know macho in a sense um uh but it's a great for you know for kind of backdrop for for these cheeses and so when you walk into the store on the right hand side immediately there's earthenware crocks with beautiful display of olives you walk down a little further there's a counter display that you know takes me an hour to make every day because uh, it to me it's sculpture and art you know food is art and it's all part of it and then our back wall is you know it's about uh, 30 feet of uh by about, uh, you know, 12 feet high of bulk, you know, large format cheeses, Gruyères, Emmentalers, Cheddars, and things like that. We used to sell bulk bean coffee in the store. We were the first stores actually in the country to kind of launch bulk bean coffee because it was a good, mm. you know, for, uh, format for that. But now with all the Starbucks and all the people doing roasted and all that kind of stuff, we got out of it. But, uh, you know, then on the other flip side, we sell – you know, things that go with the cheeses, um, you know, we sell June Taylor's beautiful products from Berkeley, California, her preserves and conserves and marmalades. We sell extra virgin olive oils and vinegars. And the whole philosophy and the idea about the products that we carry with cheeses or the shelf items are as close to, as close to the earth as possible, not manipulated, um, not trend, but, you know, tradition, uh, authentic and, and, you know, uh, real real taste experiences because, you know, we feel that that's, you know, the kind of the, what – those are the bones of our industry, if you will, and we want to you know, support those and preserve those and give people an authentic experience.
2: Yeah. And when you taste a cheese that tastes like that, it really, yeah. that's like, Transcending. that's what makes you know, it click for a lot of people. Exactly. I know that's what made it click for me. Yeah, you know, I, I was think. just kind of like, wait a second. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Raw milk. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> traditionally made. Exactly. Little, little drug. You yeah. know, oh, are yeah. like, wait a second. I haven't had you. that before. Exactly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It was the same for me.
2: Well, what about so? What about your product selection? So we're talking about you know the old days when you first you had your first job and uh, you know uh, what were you know and I feel like well so how do you choose? Your product selection. Let's just let's just do that because that's complex Now versus then or just now? Or I right? guess now versus then. Yeah, yeah, sure.
3: Well, you know, it was always what was available and, um, you know, what was good and what we thought was good. And, you know, in the beginning, it was all new. I mean, so Jarlsberg was a gourmet cheese for us. You know, it was new. It was different. You know, um, and so it, we were kind of always, you know, the motto was, you know, uh, you know, uh, serving the world's finest cheeses that you could obtain you know what was coming into this country what you know what was available and then you know the better the selection got and you know the owner of the store and and the buyer the son of the owner of the store was a buyer and a very um, you know smart articulate and he had an amazing palate um, he lived out in California for a while and he got to really know wines and he came back home and he ran the store. And he went to uh, Europe with John Sieno, and they started bringing in, you know, real traditional French cheeses. Mm. So the unpasteurized Brie de Meaux, Camembert, Emma de chambertin when it was raw, Milky Poisse, you know, those all of the these. Those were the days. Those were the days, <laughs> yeah. without a doubt. And then when that happened, it was kind of like, you know, you just stepped off the planet. It's like, woof, you know, it's like, wow, this just, it blows your mind. I mean, it just, you know, so here we are selling all these kind of, you know, larger production pasteurized cheeses. And then we stepped into this, you know, unpasteurized raw milk, you know, uh, soft-ripened, sexy French cheeses. And it was just a whole other world. I mean, and, you know, so it was like, you know, you just kept on getting thirstier and hungry for more of this stuff. It's like, you know, this is incredible. And so we, you know, these guys would go out, you know, throughout the world and to England and find farmhouse cheeses and to Italy and find, you know, great, you know, Italian cheeses. And so it it was all part of the evolution of the industry. And, you know, well, and, and they then they started to make things available. And, you know, it's, I guess life is a journey. And, and so, and I guess we all seek to find, you know, more truth in life and, and better quality of life uh, and, and as we, as we go, hopefully go through this journey. And so mine has been to become closer to the earth and more authentic and less manipulated and stick to the bones and the truth of our industry. And I believe that, you know, raw milk is the truth of cheese. And I think that we should put things into our body as, you know, as natural and as, as real as possible. And I think it's a health issue. And I think it's, a tr- you know, obviously it's a taste issue as well. You know, so that's kind of where we're at. We're we're selecting things that are real. We're not selecting things that are trendy and this and that. It's just it's all about just pure, real, keep it simple, and you know, enjoy. Yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Trendy. And so. I feel like, so we were talking, I feel like I'm cheating because we got to talk a little bit before the show, (laughs) but we were just talking a little bit about the balance between European and American Mm -hmm. and how some of that is um, starting to shift because you were saying now some of those European cheeses are actually quite difficult to get if you're looking for authenticity, you know?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't get real real soft ripened, you know imported cheeses that are made from raw milk anymore there's you know they have to be a certain age 60 days and if they have a certain moisture value to them they're just they're not allowed in the country i mean we worked i worked very hard to keep rubbish on in this country for a long period of time and the food and drug finally said look you know you you can't bring this in anymore you know it, it's uh you know so you know so those cheeses were losing them you know, we would lost them and then i taste one in your store today that's raw milk it's made in tennessee and it just blew my mind it was just you know it was it was really you know Reb-Lichon, you know made in the us and it was it wasn't a good version it was an awesome version you know so i was i was you know it was a, an amazing experience for me because that was one of my favorite cheeses the jewel of the alps right and so now yeah. we have it you know in the states and and we have somebody making it in tennessee and it's it's just you know it kind of opens up, you know, here's, you know, it's just another, it's part of the evolution. It's another step, you know, as far as it goes. And it, and it opened up a big door for me today because, you know, you're sad when you can't sell things like that. And you can't have things like that. And you remember all of these great cheeses and then all of a sudden you can't have them anymore. You know, it kind of hurts, you know, as far as yeah. it goes. You know, so to now have sources here and not have to go through all the trouble with food and drug and all that other stuff. I mean, that's, those are your huge, huge hurdles. And so it's, it's a breath of fresh air. It's really, it's really nice.
2: Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like trying to sell cheese with your hands tied behind your back, yeah, you know, sure. yeah. not being able to have access to the stuff that you want. Exactly. Well um because we were yakking I at my know, store I know, I know. and we were just <laughs> selling it. we were we we're tasting too much cheese um we're actually out of time for the show no today. Worries. I hope you'll come back I'd to be on to. a future episode. To. My pleasure. Um but thank you so much. This has been uh, a chat with Ken Skoverin who's the owner of Darien and Cheese and Fine Foods and if our uh, listeners want to find you, um do you have a website, <laughs> Facebook, anything? <laughs> Facebook. Phone Let's number? Do Facebook. The, yeah. the <laughs> website's
3: the name feb- you know, it's when they had square wheels, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So <laughs> We're in Darien, Connecticut and it's and and then there's, you know, go to Darian and Cheese uh, Facebook. We're there, and there's some nice shots of the store. And uh, get a feel for what we're all about, you know, visually before you come on in. That was the idea. And we're always posting kind of when we cut up a spe- up some special wheel of cheese, we put it up on Facebook. So, you know, we'd love more friends for sure. So that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, thank Ken. You. It's
2: thank been you. a real pleasure. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Cutting the curd.
1: The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. When you come to learn at the Academy, we instill our love for cheese, our expertise, and our experience so that you can support artisanal producers, impeccably care for the fine cheeses you carry, and serve your customers with skill and enthusiasm. We integrate hands-on practice, formal instruction, and classroom discussion in all of our courses. The Academy's programs are offered at the Mons Fromagerie in the heart of France where cheese undergoes affinage and cheeses are received, prepared and shipped. Several Mons retail shops are nearby. The surrounding countryside is the home to producers whose excellent cheeses are cared for by the Mons team. The Mons Cheese Business has more than 50 years experience caring for and teaching about cheese in France, a country known as the source of some of the world's greatest cheeses, deepest cheese tradition, and the highest level of technological research and rigor in cheese making and ripening. The Academy has been recognized by the American Cheese Society as the first approved education center for those preparing for the Certified Cheese Professional Exam. Enroll now for Essential Foundations for Cheese Professionals or Affinage, the Art and Science of Maturing Cheese. For more information, visit www.academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. Certified Cheese Professional is a registered trademark of the American Cheese Society.